and this is the Original Design Restored Podcast. For our final episode in our first season, all that covered basically the content of our ODR intensives, we thought we'd do something fun mm-hmm. with a little Q&A. Whoa, fun. So I have my <laughs> friends Crystal and Stacy here. You guys say hi. Hello. Hi. Um, they're going to ask me questions, and I'm going to try to just give some brief answers to the questions that have come up in this season, in this series mm-hmm. of topics. So who wants to go first? Stacy, you go. Okay, I will, Crystal. Okay, sorry. I just need to be a little bit more direct. (laughs) Super direct. Thank you. That is a military crystal coming off. Sometimes I need to be told what to do. I actually do okay with that. Anyway, sorry. That's a different conversation. Um, (laughs) And in a future episode. (laughs) Um, So, Katie, we've talked about transformation. And I feel like we've dove in pretty deep. Mm -hmm. But let's say somebody's just dipping their toe in the pool. Yes. What are some, like, practical or most helpful tools for transformation or, like, a good place to start? That is a very good question. Thank you. I would say probably the most significant tool for transformation would be self-awareness. And not just about your emotions. I would say self-awareness about what's happening on your internal reality is pretty significant to stepping towards transformation. But then also having an honesty about the story that you've lived. So I think I had my life story painted pretty rosy Mm -hmm. in my mind Mm -hmm. until there were some hard circumstances in life that kind of opened my eyes to see in the world is, whoa, things are a little more broken and painful here and now than I realized, which also reflects back to maybe things have been more dysfunctional than the past, like in the past, Mm. based on all of this brokenness that's coming to the surface, probably mostly in my late 20s, early 30s. Mm. What that meant was I looked back at my story, like my first steps towards transformation was looking back at my story with honesty. Mm And then in every in an everyday sense, being self-aware, whoa, I'm angry right now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we talk, uh, Val and I talked a little bit about that back in, like, I think it's episode two about self-awareness. Like, the first, like, moving towards transformation begins with being self-aware of what's happening inside of you. For most of us, there may be other situations. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And wanting to deal with and wanting to dig deeper. I think it's a curiosity would be another mm. thing. I shared in episode two, I would I would suppress the anger that I felt because I felt shame over feeling anger. So I'd feel overwhelmed by, by my kids. I would get fearful of what was going to happen. Then I would get angry on top of that fear, but then I felt so much shame. So I would suppress the anger until mm. like a pressure cooker, you explode, you know, mm-hmm. you're snapping at your kid. Yep. And I hated that. Mm-hmm. So then I wanted to, I, all I could see was the pressure cooker anger mm-hmm. coming out. And I was curious about what is going on, what's underneath there. And then I want that transformed. Mm-hmm. So those would be like, that would be my very first steps. Mm-hmm. Honesty about your story, self-awareness about what's going on inside. Yeah. So my question kind of is dipping into the codependency stuff that yeah. you were bringing up. Yeah. I want to know if you could talk more about identifying it in myself or oneself yeah and how you make a plan out you know like what that looked like for you practically or or what you can say about that yeah that's a really good question so and i think and we've talked um the three of us separately outside of episodes i think sometimes codependency can have a weight that is difficult to relate to because there there is really difficult codependency in a clinical sense of being codependent with someone who is addicted to substances, substance abuse, or has some incredibly destructive pattern. Even codependency and narcissist personality disorder often mm-hmm. can be a relational cycle. Hmm. So those are 
Um, I think you use the word low level and I'm assuming high level. So those mm-hmm. would be high level clinical examples mm-hmm. of codependency. When I'm like, when I shared my story of codependency, it really reflects more low level mm-hmm. everyday relationship codependency. Mm-hmm. And the mm-hmm. best way I can describe identifying patterns of codependency in yourself, and it could be primarily in one or two relationships, or it could be a f- way of functioning in most relationships. So it could be either or is if you are unable to differentiate yourself from another person, you mm. are probably codependent. So if there is a fusing of your soul with someone else, mm-hmm. there's probably a codependent level in that relationship. Yes. And that's really hard to identify. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I think if we're really honest, what does that look like when you say fusing or, you know, like I can, I'm like right, getting it, that's but a good I'm not. Question. So do I have my own whole separate identity from another person or is my identity wrapped up in another person, how they are doing in the day? Mm. Do I get insecure when they aren't doing well? Okay. Yeah. That's helpful. Mm-hmm. And it's not actually about me. They're having a bad day. Right. Mm-hmm. If I cannot emotionally separate from their bad day. Mm-hmm. And I can have compassion, yeah. but that's a separate experience. If I have compassion on a separate being, mm-hmm. we ha- are two separate whole persons. Mm-hmm. Okay. But if I can't have a good day because the person I'm codependent with is having a bad day, I'm probably codependent. I can't differentiate my opinion from someone else's opinion. Okay. Mm. It's too dangerous to argue. And, mm. and not even dangerous like some... Physical, physical thing is going to happen. Yeah. Like emotionally, I'm too afraid mm-hmm. to hold a different opinion in my being mm-hmm. than the person that I'm fused with. Yeah. Okay. Codependent with. Yeah. So it's a, identifying, am I whole and separate from other human beings? Okay. It seems to like, a, correct me if I'm wrong, like a, a, a litmus test would be if you really live or die by someone else's approval or disapproval of an idea or of yourself yeah and i think there's extremes where like you well you should feel you. that yeah yeah. <laughs> right. yeah but like you know. well when it ruins so even. i would actually argue that like i don't think anyone's opinion should, should ever live have or die that. yeah no i kind of agree in a healthy in, place in a healthy place there is a place where i can value and take in anyone else's thought or opinion yeah but at the end of the day just me and god mm-hmm should not be ruled by anyone else's opinion. Right. And I use the the extreme of live or die right. for that reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like your value and who you are is never contingent on what somebody says or what they think of you, mm-hmm. period. And I feel like if you feel that in any given relationship, that might be a little bit, mm, Caution. Yeah. What were you going to say? I know you're about to say something. Oh, I was just thinking, I was actually just reflecting on my life and mm-hmm. all the fused relationships <laughs> I've had. <laughs> totally fine. It's like, oh, wow, this is... um and especially as a child, I don't know if that happens to many people, but I feel like it's yeah. really easy to get codependent when you're in a um, social situation oh, as an 11 year old yes. person yeah. or yes. as a 15 year old oh, yes. person. Right. And, um, you start forming relationships based off of that pattern. Mm-hmm. Um, when it usually starts, we don't realize it, but it usually starts, starts earlier than that. Than that. Yeah. And that's oh, yeah. why at 11, yeah. this is it's not so relating to my peers mm-hmm. because yeah. I've learned this is how I know I'm okay. Yes. yes. So then dealing with codependency can get very challenging Mm -hmm. and there's two ways that that can happen. So you identify, I'm struggling to differentiate myself from other persons, Mm -hmm. one or many, Mm -hmm. as you go into that with God, 
you know, empowering you by the Holy Spirit to change this, you either will walk openly in relationship with people who are willing to walk with you as you change and have that change the dynamic of your relating, mm-hmm. or you will have people who will not be able to handle your relating patterns changing mm-hmm. and those relationships will end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and true. there's a very real loss if you truly confront codependency in yourself there's a real loss of some relationships that are unwilling to grow with mm-hmm. your changing relating patterns. Mm-hmm. And then I want to track back one more thing as an identifier of codependency that like just popped back into my head. Another huge sign for me was I felt over-responsible mm-hmm. for people. So if you are fearing, it's, yes, you should be responsible for your children if you're a mother. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. If you work at a job, you're responsible for your your tasks Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. the team that you lead on a certain level. But codependency, especially low level codependency is marked by relational over responsibility for other people in a way that allows them to, and I'm going to share this book too in emotionally healthy womanhood, Jerry Scazzaro comments that, Oh, she's labeled it over functioning. When you overfunction, you enable people to underfunction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that is a codependent dance for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. So I would recommend, and I'll put this in the show notes, if you're kind of struggling through what does codependency look like, that all that information is helpful. But then a practical book would be The Emotionally Healthy Woman by Jerry Scazzaro. And it's actually not about codependency, mm-hmm. right? But it's the most practical thing I've seen for mm-hmm. undoing patterns of relational yeah. codependency. Yeah. Very practical. Very practical. Yes. Yes. Cool. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Next question. I'm thinking, how do you identify burnout? It's mm-hmm. a good And question. maybe how could we avoid it if we're not even, maybe oh, we're on yeah. the path or yeah. maybe we're just starting out. It's <laughs> 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 burnout journey. <laughs> I don't think any of us is just starting out in our burnout <laughs> Definitely. For the right. one of us. I do have to say, as none of us is at the beginning of this. Listen journey. to the episodes with each of you. There's multiple points in different episodes <laughs> where each of you have identified coming to the end of yourself. Oh, yeah. multiple times. So yeah. that's a pretty good sign of burnout. Yeah. I would say, I would say that identify. So burnout's pretty extreme. I think we get exhausted in our lives. I think fairly typically there, especially moms who've had babies, we have seasons of postpartum depression, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, postpartum anxiety. Mm -hmm. There are hard as women. Mm -hmm. Let's just normalize. If not, even if you have babies as Mm -hmm, women, mm -hmm. period, end of story, our hormonal journeys Mm -hmm. are up and down and all over the place. So already we kind of enter life having all these seasons Mm -hmm. that kind of require us to learn how our bodies are doing and what level of energy we have. You throw in some babies, Mm -hmm. postpartum seasons, pregnancy seasons, Mm -hmm. uh, breastfeeding seasons, uh, miscarriages, menopause, perimenopause. Mm -hmm. We have a lot of fluctuations. So I would say, first of all, before even burnout as an acknowledgement of, I am going to need to take care of myself as a woman. And I think sadly, we don't do that and we aren't trained mm-hmm. how to take care of ourselves. And then culturally, this concept of self-care has been taken radically far mm-hmm. to look like maybe luxury. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I feel like sometimes in the Christian faith, self-care gets a bad rap because mm-hmm. it seems frivolous, mm-hmm. superfluous, mm-hmm. self-indulging. Right. Mm-hmm. 
when in actuality, self-care is meant to be a way that we steward our lives mm-hmm. by taking responsibility for ourselves and taking care of ourselves mm-hmm. well so that we can engage with the relationships in our life and the kingdom work that God has prepared in advance for us to do as full, whole people, mm-hmm. not running on fumes. Yeah. So I guess I'm answering your question backwards. The way to prevent burnout yeah. is to take an honest look at your life mm-hmm. and strategize for real self-care. And when I'm talking about self-care, like in my life, that has meant, am I getting adequate sleep? Mm-hmm. Right. Am I right. drinking enough water? Like, yeah, right. What yeah. fills me up emotionally? And for me personally, that's alone time. Do we have alone time blocked in the schedule? I'm not even talking like spa day. I'm talking mm-hmm. like, right. can I sit and read a book or journal my thoughts mm-hmm. so that they aren't just stacking and building in my mind. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm talking very basic self-care. And I think there's an undeniable relationship between self-care and your sin patterns. Yes. Right? right. And like that's Absolutely. something we don't talk about in the Christian circle. Absolutely. But as moms and, and women, like we don't want to snap at our kids. Right. And yet we get up every morning or we've been up all night and we expect the same situation to produce a different result. Right. And we're never willing to say, I need help or yes. I can't. I need a break or, yes. and that break is actually a blessing to me and my children. Yes. <laughs> right? like, yes. I come back a better mom. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yes. Well, and interestingly, I think that was what I think pushed me towards self-care was I didn't like the mom I was being. And yeah. if I wanted to be a different mom in my family. I was going to have to take care of myself differently. Yeah. Right. And there was a season of pretty rigid self-care regimen. Like I have to drink this much water a day. Mm-hmm. I have to cut out this much caffeine. Mm. I and it, not all my caffeine. <laughs> Let's be real. <laughs> Didn't go but there. A certain amount. There was a season where my husband got up with. We have three boys, and they were waking up. You know, different things like nightmares or whatever. My sleep was affecting me so poorly mm-hmm. and being interrupted that he took on all the night wake ups for a pretty extended season so that my body could reset with mm-hmm. sleep. Yeah. So we're talking basic stuff. Wow. Yeah. And when you don't do that, I do think it spills over into sin patterns. Absolutely. And whether that is, you know, being irritable and uh-huh. impatient with your kids, or it is, I'm so depleted now I'm reaching for uh-huh. social media, uh-huh. alcohol, food, um, honestly, TV addiction. Like, Absolutely. That, yeah. like, please feed my empty, tired soul, yes. mm-hmm. which is the opposite of stewarding the life that you've yeah. been given. Yeah. Yep. And I think as a further note of sin in there, mm-hmm. because not because I'm trying to make anybody feel bad, but because I think we have to address it mm-hmm. with the right language and we can own that and not feel ashamed is that when you function way over your capacity, mm-hmm. speaking as one who does, you're proud mm-hmm. because you're not admitting your weakness. Yeah. And you're each not of us living in light of your weakness. We yeah. all do it. Mm-hmm. And, um, so if you're struggling to wrap your mind theologically around it, mm-hmm. consider the pride there mm-hmm. and consider that you're weak mm-hmm. and God made you that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just admit it. Yeah. yeah. So then piggybacking off of that, what does burnout look like? It can look like different things. So I've heard of people burning out in their profession and there's actually um, some checklists you can do professionally mm-hmm. based on your profession. What does burnout look like? Um and that can be really extreme. And burnout often looks like depression, but more severe. Mm-hmm. So it can look like not only just a clinical depression, but um, almost an inability to come out of the exhaustion. Yeah, I think it, it looks like depression plus overwhelming exhaustion. 
and the yeah. inability to see a way out. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's probably what burnout looks like. No, it's pushing good. yourself too far. Yeah. Right. To the point of not just for a few days, but for months and years. And you are not okay. I think that's the best thing I could say. Mm-hmm. I probably have had two seasons of burnout and I was not okay. Yeah. And I wasn't, I wasn't just sad. I didn't think I was going to be able to keep doing life mm-hmm. the way I was doing it. Right. And so I felt like, so that also in burnout, then you feel like a failure. Yeah. yeah. So I, so. both seasons, I felt like a failure in pretty extreme ways and didn't know where to go. Mm-hmm. So I think if you're experiencing burnout, I would recommend just identifying, I feel burnt out. And what am I doing too much of? How can I lighten my load mm-hmm. so that I can recover? Mm-hmm. And there's really no shame. Yeah. in recovering you're actually stewarding your life mm-hmm. stewarding your life like i if i could just give that language to all christians god like we think of stewardship financially right you were given a life mm-hmm. and you were given certain limits mm-hmm. in your life that are real that are unique to you and then you're probably given certain circumstances that are limiting as well mm-hmm. if you live within those limits and circumstances mm-hmm. you and make choices to care for yourself within those limits and circumstances, you will have the opportunity to steward your life well. Mm-hmm. And when you don't, it's like you're overextending your bank account. Yeah. And so within your finances, if you want to steward your finances well for the kingdom of God, you don't overextend your bank account. Right? Yeah. That's good. Thanks. Cool. Okay, let's do two more questions, and then I think we'll call this interview good. Okay. You talked about growing in self-awareness yes. as the start to transformation. Yes. And I think that makes a lot of sense. Yes. So my question is like, let's say you're a busy mom okay. and you're listening to this or whatever. You're just anybody, whoever. Busy Woman, professional. man, yeah. professional, dis- yeah. whatever. And your life is just going and it's fast. What are a couple of real simple, practical ways to grow in self-awareness? Mm-hmm. And I think it's important to to put some boundaries there there because it's like, well, part of that's getting feedback. Mm-hmm. But you know what I mean? Like, right. who do you ask for that feedback? Right. And what should you look for and mm-hmm. listen for? And, mm-hmm. and how do you start to see yourself a little bit clearer? Mm-hmm. Good questions. Thank you. I think that one of the biggest things is taking a pause. Like, I think it's very difficult to be self-aware if you're going 100 miles per hour. Yeah. Because you can't orient about what's going on inside of you because you're moving so fast. Preach. Right. <laughs> Asking for a friend. <laughs> Asking for a friend. Um, for me, it would look like when I began a journey of self-awareness and actually had permission. So I guess, let me start back. Permission to name your actual emotions would be the first step. Mm -hmm. I did not feel I had that permission until I went through the journey training Mm -hmm. and they named emotions and said, these are okay to have. Mm -hmm. You get to choose what you do with them. Mm -hmm. And it was language that I did not have. My emotions are not bad. So let's remove the judgment from emotions. Mm -hmm. You feel things inside your body and your being. And then you choose what you do with those. Mm -hmm. And what you do with those can be good or bad. So that was really helpful to kind of remove the judgment. Because I think prior to that point in my life, I had a lot of judgment. So number one, remove judgment from emotion. Mm -hmm. Especially negative emotion. And then pause long enough to identify what's going on. So you probably, it depends on who you are and kind of your personality style. Val mentioned in the self-awareness episode, it was really helpful for him to print off like an emotions wheel. You can find it on the internet. Like you can find all kinds of emotion mm-hmm, wheels, mm-hmm. words on the internet. Having um, 
words, having language for emotion was really helpful for him. So that would be another step. Um, if, if naming emotion, like accessing, what is this that I'm feeling? That could be a helpful step. Um, but pausing and acknowledging what you feel inside of yourself is probably the most significant step to grow in self-awareness. And it is like a muscle that initially it feels kind of hard. Like learning to ride a bike, you're thinking about your thinking. Like you're thinking about your feeling. Yes. I am feeling something. What am I feeling? Pause, pause, pause. Mm-hmm. and letting what rises to the surface be okay. Mm-hmm. It felt so shameful when I started realizing, I'm so angry. I'm so angry. Mm-hmm. I feel angry. And if I stayed in the judgmental cycle, that just stuffs it down more. So removing judgment, I feel angry. And then choosing what I do with it is kind of like the action step after that. Mm-hmm. But probably pausing, and it will become more second nature the more you do it. Mm-hmm. So I would have to, I would stand in the kitchen in my house and pause and close my eyes mm-hmm. and literally I, I think kind of like a body scan but inside an internal reality mm-hmm. what do I feel mm-hmm. um, I have another friend who I can't remember what her words are and she got it from somewhere this is a terrible I'm not trying to plagiarize <laughs> um, but I have a friend who heard a podcast who heard something similar to asking yourself what am I thinking what do I feel and what does it feel like in my body could also be mm-hmm. another tool to self-awareness mm-hmm. Realizing that yeah. we have a, a thinking modality, mm-hmm. we have a feeling modality, and we have a physical modality. Oh, that's helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And kind of integrating all three of those, that takes a little bit more time. Mm-hmm. But I can give you a real whole assessment of yeah. what's I, happening right I think now. especially speaking as one who's very often out of touch with my emotion, mm-hmm. a lot of times the only place I can actually get a read on anything is my body. Yeah. And I'll be like, oh, I I feel tension in my body. Uh Uh-huh. Exactly. Okay, so then that helps me think through, okay, well, where would that likely go? Yeah. Or when something comes out sideways, you know? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. um, It's just helpful to Mm -hmm. go through that because you get down to what's the knee, which is really helpful. Will you explain what do you mean by coming outside? Because I 100% agree. Yeah. You need to explain it. Yeah. When you're feeling angry, Mm -hmm. um, but then it comes out sideways by like screaming at your kids or being passive aggressive with or your tension husband headache. or attention mm-hmm. headache because you don't want to scream at your kids so then you're like holding just it holding it yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah so it just comes out in an unhealthy way in a secondary unhealthy it's way. Secondary so crystal unhealthy do you feel like that the t- so when you feel when you have that moment of it coming out and you're are you you know i feel like i'm kind of surprised in that moment like whoa yeah that's the moment to stop yeah right yeah like right yeah or and, and a lot of times unfortunately that mm-hmm. woe feeling feels like it comes after the, the deed has done, you know? No, like, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, but, it has come out sideways. Right. And it is done, and then there's guilt or shame or yes. sadness involved. And But that's an opportunity. That's an opportunity. Yes, right. That's right. an opportunity to, to wait, like, wait. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's As like, I get excited, that's an opportunity. Something's not going well in my life. Yeah. Especially if it's a pattern. Yeah. Let's deal with it. Yeah. Right. Let's face this head on. Yeah. And if yeah. it's like, if a lot of things, because I can speak as myself, like a lot of things come outside of us. Yeah. In right. my day to day life. Oh, yeah. They do. A lot. And it's like, wow, I feel like a baby in terms of my self awareness as mm-hmm. a muscle. It's not very strong in myself. I can say that accurately. But like Katie said, every time it comes outside, yeah. And I would love to see a cultural shift where we all can be less sideways. Mm-hmm. Be more direct and gentle, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. as we 
Yes. As we can communicate and yeah. and grow together. And you know? take responsibility for stewarding our lives. Yeah, right. Like, I think my one of my biggest heart passions behind even ODR, Original mm-hmm. Sign, was mm-hmm. this podcast. Let's, as women especially, but anyone, men and women, but women especially, in the stage of life, we are in the raising kids stage. Let's face what's real. Mm-hmm. And then steward our lives responsibly, take responsibility for our lives mm-hmm. and face those sideways things and ask God to change and heal and actually mm-hmm. walk toward that. Right. And let him show you that it's coming out sideways because you're weak yeah. and that weakness is not contrary to his plan. Right. That weakness is something he wants you to bring to him. Mm-hmm. And odds are good. He's going to be really gentle right. and yeah. way more kind to you than you are in my experience. To you. <laughs> yeah. Right. To yourself. To yourself. Cool. Okay, let's do one last question, and then we'll wrap up. Is it my? I think it's, yeah, the ball's in your court. I think. Right. Yeah. Um, Katie. Yes. What do you love best about Jesus? That's a good question. Yeah. That's a good one. It's a fun one, one, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Feel no pressure, obviously. We don't need any. I know. There's always like, oh, well, what's well, the theologically the correct yeah. answer? Tell me what you No, I, I, what I love most about Jesus is that he has been real in my life as long as I can remember. Yeah. So I, uh, and not just, I went to church as a little girl. Right. And sang some good Christian songs, which I did all that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have had a deep knowing of and walking with Jesus for a very long time. Yeah. And I guess what I love about him is that he's been with me mm-hmm. all of my life. Mm-hmm. And he's walked it all out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he loves me. Mm-hmm. True. There you Pro- go. Proximity. <laughs> That's yeah. the gift. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Cool. Thank you guys for doing Q&A. Yeah. It was fun. Thanks everybody for listening. So <laughs> snap. <laughs> I can't snap. And I was like, well, we don't have one snaps. of those little audience things where everybody's like, uh, ah. So we completed season one of the original Design Story podcast, and we appreciate you guys sitting with us, listening with us, and we pray that God is actively transforming and healing and freeing and making whole your lives in powerful ways. Thanks, guys. Bye.